What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling Relations Podcast here, and we're with the episode 175 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here on this Monday evening, or Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, or whenever you listen to this podcast. But I hope you're having a great day, night, afternoon, or evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast, and as always... I greatly and truly appreciate it. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are 48 hours removed from AEW Revolution. And having 48 hours to process everything that went down and going over the the pay-per-view in my head again, I have to say, AEW Revolution's first pay-per-view of 2020 in my opinion, personally, was a success. Um, they did a lot of good things coming out of this, and we'll discuss that in just a moment with the good that was AEW Revolution. But AEW's first go around with the quarterly pay per view, it definitely did their job in terms of what they wanted to do. At least for at least for their main story, besides the other matches that happened on the card, they really put on what I, like I said, what I thought was a good show. It was a very good show. Um, it wasn't the greatest show in the world by any means. I mean, I've seen much better shows than um, AEW Revolution. Uh, I'd say two shows, I mean, three, I mean, pretty much the big shows that I've seen so far, Wrestle Kingdom 14, Worlds Collide, and NXT TakeOver Portland, I'd say we're better than this. And that's not saying that's a bad thing. It's just when you put it with those three, I'd say I'd say without fail. And I, I would even put NXT, I mean, I would probably put NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool Two and um, AEW Revolution in the same in the same tier. Um, it's be- it was better than Royal Rumble by leaps and bounds. That's a, that's a new formality at that point. But it was, a, it was a easily a good way to end the month of February, as now we are heading into March, and of course we're heading unfortunately into Elimination Chamber, um, which is going to be going down this actually this Sunday. Um, I will try my best to. Uh, do a preview and predictions for that show once I get the full card. Um, maybe the, I don't know if the full card is up. I may do it tomorrow. Um, I'll have to look at it tonight and I'll let you guys know on my Twitter page or my Instagram page. If you follow me on both of those, and I'll let you guys know what they are at the end of the show, as I always do. But before we really dive deep into the particulars that were the good, the bad, and the ugly that was the different revolution, I want to remind y'all that. If you want exclusive access to content that you will not hear on Russell Attic Radio here on the Anchor app, or if you listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the like, for 17 cents a day, $5 a month, I already did the math for y'all, so it's not rocket science, all right? 17 cents a day gets you exclusive content that you won't hear anywhere else except on our Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash Wrestle Attic Radio, or if you just want to search Wrestle Attic Radio, um, check us out over there. We're, we've done exclusive stuff already. I know Kate and uh, Ricky have done episode two of Love and War. If you haven't checked out the first episode yet, you can go on our YouTube, youtube.com slash Wrestle Attic Radio, and you can check it out over there. Um, again, we're going to be a lot, doing a lot of exclusive content for you guys in 2020. I'll be definitely doing one soon. I'm not exactly sure when. Um, but I can tell you that we'll be working. I got some things. I got about one or two things in the works right now. Um, one I'm formulating in my head right now. 
and one I probably will be doing somewhere down the line. Um, but yeah, I mean, not only will you get exclusive content from us, you'll be received, you get, of course, exclusive articles. Um, you'll be getting pretty much exclusive, like super exclusive stuff, like stuff that you normally, if you are a fan of the Young Lions perspective, you pretty much know exactly what I'm going to be bringing to the table. If you don't, well, you'll know very, very soon. You'll also be part of our exclusive Patreon group chat. And we do talk a lot about professional wrestling, um, things that are going on there. We talk a lot about professional wrestling, especially during shows, um, Raw, SmackDown Live, AEW Dynamite, NXT, um, the NXT uh, takeovers, UK takeovers, um, WWE live shows. We are very interactive over there, um, as much as we possibly can. I mean, I know we all do have lives, but I mean, when I'm talking about exclusive, I mean exclusive stuff you're not going to find anywhere else besides our Patreon. Again, patreon.com, search Wrestle Addict Radio. Again, $5 a month will lock you in and get you all that exclusive happiness that you already really do want to get your hands on. I'm telling you, it is, it is something that you're going to enjoy. Again, 17 cents a day. I know you got that in your pocket right now. You bought lunch, right? You probably bought lunch, bought that burger from McDonald's. You probably got a little change in your pocket. I guarantee you have 17 cents in your pocket right now. Patreon.com slash Special Addict Radio. Go join the movement over there. Yeah, just want to get that out there real quick. So let's dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly. That was AEW Revolution. And as I always do, especially with, you know, Light the Fuse and last week, this week, we talk about the most important thing that happened from AEW Revolution. Now, in, to me, the most important thing that went down at AEW Revolution last night wasn't even John Moxley winning the AEW World Championship. No, no, no. Excuse me. As much as I, as much as that was a big moment, and I'm happy that I picked John Moxley to win. I know a lot of y'all Jericho lovers were a little bit upset about Jericho dropping the championship on Saturday night, but the, but that reason is because Fozzie is going to be on going on tour a little over a month from now, starting a new tour April 16th. So that is what main that's the main reason why Jericho dropped the championship. He'll be he's going to be going on tour, and if you're going to be um, checking out any of those dates, um, I'm sure that you know Fozzie will put on a great show for you guys. Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ooh. Don't worry, I'm not getting coronavirus. Shut up. Oh, is that coffee? You might get coronavirus. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck the coronavirus, bitch. I don't give a shit. And I'm still gonna drink Corona with a lime in it. Miss me with that bullshit. Oh, we're gonna boycott Corona beer because you can get coronavirus. Y'all are so dumb. Y'all are d- y'all are really dumb. For real. Sit down. Boy. <laughs> Anyway, getting back into the swing of things. Again, congrats to John Moxley for becoming the AEW World Champion. Big moment for him. I kind of, I, I, I knew like with this whole build to that, it was all, it was all on Moxley to make sure he didn't fuck this one up. Um, they put on a really good matchup. I enjoyed it. You know, the whole inner circle going after him during the match was really clean. I mean, it did, it did what it had to do. I enjoyed the match. The ending, towards the end of the match was really, really fucking cool. I love the fact that Moxley pretty much played possum 
the entire matchup, playing as if he, you know, still had the injury from after what the uh, the pen spike in the eye. I love how he played that off, and then towards the end, took it off. Crowd was going bananas for that. Hit Jericho with the pair two paradigm shifts, and then the, of course the high angle paradigm shift to pretty much end things for Jericho, uh, for Jericho, and becoming the new AEW World Champion. But there is one bad thing I have to say about Moxley Jericho, and I'll discuss that in the next segment. But the most important thing, at least for me personally, that I got out of AEW Revolution, and this is the first thing I have on my list. We have a true match of the year candidate in the Young Bucks versus Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. That match was hands down match of the night. And I, I'm just going to put it out there right now. There is no other match on the card on Saturday night that can touch what the Young Bucks and Hangman Page and Kenny Omega did. This was so fucking gratifying. 30 minutes we were given of this matchup. Now, a lot of people will probably be thinking, oh, you know, too many false finishes, too many kickouts. The story they told in this matchup was genius. From beginning to end and even after the match, and I'll discuss that in a second, they were absolute geniuses with this matchup. Given the fact that all four members were still part of the elite, with Hangman Page having filmed some type of way about the whole uh, with the Young Bucks, um, and you know, just throughout the match with you know, even you know Nick having to stop Matt, you know, the one point in the matchup where uh, I believe it was Matt who had uh, no, it was Nick I think, if I'm not mistaken. Who had taken off the Kinesio tape from Kenny Omega's shoulder, especially after the match he had with Pac on the last Wednesday. You know, and his hands just shaking. It's the little fucking details like that that can tell a proper story within a matchup. This, like I said, this match was beautifully done and has so much replay value that it's not even funny. They did this very well. And I, I usually would wait until the end of, you know, the show to give you guys my match of the night i'm gonna tell you this early and i'm gonna tell you it again when we hand out the awards this is matt this was match of the night this was hands down a true match of the year candidate this is going to be nowhere near my honorable mentions for 2020 without question this is this this is nowhere in the realm of honorable mention this is a match of the year candidate hands down some people were saying on my timeline this is the best tag team match they had ever seen in their lives I wouldn't go that far in saying that. But I would say this is one of my favorite tag team matches of all time. It's right up there. It definitely holds its weight against some of the, against like DIY versus Revival. That two out of three falls match. That was probably one of, if not the greatest tag team matches I may have ever seen in my in my life. Aside from the fact that, you know, the, the TLC, the early, you know, TLC 1 and TLC 2, I'd say that was probably... That's up there in terms of greatest tag matches of all time. Um, there was a lot of good tag team matches in, in, I've seen in my life, and they rejuvenated tag team wrestling. That's why I'm saying. That's why I've been saying for a while now. AEW has the best tag team division in all of professional wrestling right now. And think about that with Paige and Omega as the makeshift tag team that came out of nowhere and won the tag titles. Um, have been holding for I think like four weeks now, and they've been holding him ever since. 
they really have come into their own. They have gelled very well as a tag team. That buckshot trigger is no fucking joke. And any team that faces them has to look out for that um, when it comes to a tag title match or, or non-title match, just match in particular. They really, really did this properly. The crowd in Chicago was hyped for it. Um, and they, they these really captivated the minds. Again, 30 barely 30 minutes, barely past 30 minutes. And they just went balls to the wall. Um, it, they, they pretty much young bucks put up their game, gave us their greatest hits. Um, you know, Kenny Omega and pay, you know, um, hangman page put up, put out their best of their best moves. They have in their move set as a tag team. Um, that you can't escape with the, uh, you know, with the hangman with the suit. Uh, I was about to say superplex. The moonsault. I mean, they were all four of them were hitting on all cylinders, and it's some it's matches like that that make you realize why you love professional wrestling in the first place. They absolutely killed it. I was thoroughly happy with the result. Um, Kenny and Hangman retaining. Um, I was actually shocked by. I was thinking that you know the heel turn was coming. And speaking of the heel turn, AEW teased the eventual heel turn of Hangman Page, and it was perfectly done. Now. Me personally, I had the Young Bucks winning the tag titles. But me being the silly man that I am, excuse me, I was I was thinking too far ahead, I think. I thought too far ahead. I was thinking, I gotta I have to keep in mind that when I'm doing predictions, I sometimes get in the moment and think X is gonna happen, and then Y happens, and I'm just like, fuck! <laughs> I wanted this to happen though. But, um, you know, the way that at the end of the match, you know, Young Bucks are on the outside, you know, um, on the one on the hard cam side, Hangman is on the outside with his tag team championship and it looks, and, it, and the way that he did it, it looks as if he was about to hit that buckshot trigger on Kenny. He was just staring daggers at him. Kenny was, of course, you know, acknowledging the fans, you know, all that good stuff. And Paige was in prime position to hit that buckshot lariat. Prime position to hit that buckshot lariat. Omega turns around, you know, surprised by what Hangman was doing. And then pretty much sits on the middle rope and, you know, that's, you know, can he, he tells Kenny Omega, hey man, come on now. Let's, you know, celebrate. You know, that was very well done. Very well done, and that just that little tease, you know, lets you know it's like, hey, you know it's coming. I know it's coming, and you know you have to you start knowing it's coming. Why would you touch it, old man? You some bitch. You just gave him a ground rule double. You bot, fucking dickhead. It was a fair ball, idiot. I'm sorry. I'm watching the LA uh, Angels. Chicago Cubs game right now. Uh, and this gave this gave dude a ground rule double. Idiot. It was gonna be a double anyway. My apologies. I digress. But they teased this absolutely. It was just this was just, that's the kind of heel turn. That's the kind of tease I need to see. I don't see that in WWE often. I don't see it. I hardly see it in WWE. Rarely do I see that. So seeing it on Revolution Saturday night, I was like, oh, they're about to fuck. 
they they had me. They had me. They're they're about to fucking do it right now. They're about to do this shit. And then Hangman Page just say, hey, come on. Relax. You know, I got you. And then Kenny just gives, you know, Hangman that look like, all right. But he had the hesitant motion. You know what I mean? It was wonderfully well done. And I could not be more impressed by the way they did that. Well done. Well done, AEW, for actually pulling that that little tease off. That's again, it's always details for me. They made that, they made you believe as if he's about to do something. And then it's like the last second, hey, you know, come on. Good stuff by AEW that night. Orange Cassidy versus Pac was the kind of match we didn't know we needed until we saw it. I said it. And I'm going to say it again. Orange Cassidy versus Pac was the kind of match we didn't know we needed until we saw it. I say that to say this. This was my first time watching Orange Cassidy actually in action. I actually put it in on my Twitter. And if you follow me over there at Suede Senator War. This was. Like I said my first time watching Orange Cassidy. So I didn't know what to expect from Cassidy. I really didn't know what to expect. I was expecting maybe some sort of like little gimmicky kind of matchup. Not too serious before the main event type deal. Just to break up the monotony of the series into the action. No, they went full on out. They went all out in this match. Um, and dare I say, Orange Cassidy impressed me. In his first go-around as, as part of AEW. Was it eventual... You know, was it going to be eventually that Cassidy would compete? I don't know. But... I have to say, I was thoroughly pleased with how they booked this matchup. Now, Pac won, and that was the right call. But Orange Cassidy put on one hell of a performance... Crowd, now mind you, this guy, I honestly think he is the most over man in AEW right now. Hands down. So I didn't know what to expect from Cassidy when it came down to ring, ringing that bell, standing across from Pac, and going after it. The man can go. He can absolutely go. Holy shit, that kid can go. Of course, he did his sloth kicks. You know, all that stuff. Crowd was into it all day, every day. But when it, time, when it got time to get serious, he got serious. And he laid, he was laying down his, his, his DDT. You know, he was going, he was doing, going balls to the wall. And held his own against Pac. I was thoroughly happy with this matchup. Now, I believe towards the end, um, the Lucha Bros came out and um, distracted Orange Cassidy. Um, and the best and Beretta and Trent Beretta and Chucky e. T went after the Lucha Bros. So that kind of distracted Cassidy enough for Pac to lock in the Brutalizer and defeat Orange Cassidy. But man, I, I have to say, I really have to say, Orange Cassidy impressed me. First impression is everything, to me at least, especially if it's your debut in a company. And if it's the first time for someone seeing the action, I was thoroughly happy with the result. Again, Pac did win. And that was a mere formality. But 
Cassidy did show his he showed he showed up and showed out um, on Saturday night. He really did, and I was thoroughly happy with the way the crowd you know took it in. They were all like I said they were already growing bananas for Cassidy, so that was just that was neither here nor there. And they hate Pac. <laughs> they, Chicago hates Pac, but it was very well done. And I usually don't talk about matches like this, where you know this is this is just a match to break up. You know, the Cody MJF match and the main event between Jericho and Moxley. But it didn't really, you know, it didn't really hinder anything. It didn't really hinder anything. It didn't do anything crazy. It just simply did what it needed to do. But it was very enjoyable at the same time. Now, speaking of Cody MJF, MJF's victory over Cody was not only the right call, but it will make him an even bigger heel than he is right now. MJF beating Cody was the right move. I I had a feeling that they were going to go with MJF to beat Cody by some nonsense. And... They, Cody, Cody got rocked with the uh, with the dynamite diamond. He went to nefarious means in order to beat Cody. Now we're going into Denver on Wednesday, and you know for a fact MJF is going to gloat his ass off. And I know Phoenix AEW. I know Amy. If you if you don't follow Amy on Twitter, Phoenix at Phoenix now at Phoenix AEW. Um, she is not a big fan of MJF, and I was literally trying to troll her as much as possible with MJF gifts, saying MJF was gonna beat Cody, all that shit. I was trying to get to, I was trying to get to it, but she she did well for herself. Um, she handled herself quite well, even though she still hates MJF with every part of her being. I hate him with every part of my being. If you know that reference, you know you know exactly what, what show I used to like when I was younger, and still do to this day. I hate him. With every part of my being, I'm telling you, I know, I know, some of y'all know that reference. Anyway, moving on. I like, I did like this match. Um, not as much as I thought I was going to. I think they may have. Some people were saying they overbooked it. I can see where they're coming from with that. I will say though, what made me laugh is Arn Anderson getting kicked in the face. <laughs> Yo. I was I I don't know why I just like seeing people get rocked and rocked and rocked with like kicks and punches and shit. Absolutely hilarious! Oh my goodness, excuse me. Very long day at work and I had a long weekend, so forgive me if I yawn a little bit. Been a very very long day at work. Thank you. And holy shit! My goodness, they they did their they did a very very good they did a good job of this matchup. Um. Was it the best match in the world? Nah. Was it a good match? Yeah, I'll, I'll say it was a good match. Um, could there have been a little bit more to the action? Absolutely. I think there. I think it was just. I think it was just. It it did what it needed to do. And when it comes to a match of the caliber of Cody MGF, that is one saying I don't like to say. That it did what it had to do. I I would rather say this match was wonderful i was expecting a lot more out of it 
I really was. My expectations for, for the way they had built this feud for the last three months, I was expecting a much better match. That's not to say this wasn't good by any means. This was a very, this is a very well done matchup. I was expecting a little bit more. My, like I said, when you have a storyline the likes of Cody MJF, with what we had seen, with the stipul with everything that happened to Cody throughout this entire build as we headed towards Revolution, late January, early February, I was expecting a lot, but maybe I was expecting too much. And that's on me. I'll take that. I can accept that. I can accept that and take that L. But I was just expecting a little bit more out of this matchup. It was good. That's why we're talking about it in, the, in the good portion of the program. Well done. I just think with Cody and MJF, a few, this may leave a little bit open. They may leave that door open for a rematch. And if that's the case, fine. If that's what you wanted to do, so be it. If that, like I said, if it keeps that door open, I'm good. But I know MJF is going to not even think about Cody getting a rematch against him. I think he's going to think about what's next for him. And I know Denver is going to be booing the ever-loving shit out of him. And I am going to be enjoying every second of what MJF is doing. As of right now, I've been saying, I said this a while back. MJF is literally the number two heel in all of AEW right now. Right behind Chris Jericho in the inner circle. That, like I said, that promo that MJF and Jericho cut to each other showed me that MJF can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the best. He hung in there with, with Jericho, and he did, and he did his job. He did it to the highest degree that you could. With a guy like Jericho, to do that in that segment, man, it only showed his promise. Now, like I said, he's like 23 years old. He hasn't even reached his zenith yet. He hasn't reached his full potential yet. Which is crazy to believe, coming like, from what we've seen with MJF so far. We've only scratched the surface of what MJF is capable of. And he's got, he's not even, hit, he's not even in his prime yet. He's a baby in, in, the, in the professional wrestling world to most people. He's 23 and he's killing, he's doing promos like what he did. He's having matches like he did. He's doing dastardly shit like he does. He lives his gimmick. Go ask Fretzy, check out his Twitter. Go check out um, Fretz's Instagram, the legendary legendary JF. Go check out his Instagram. The, the, even the pictures he took with MJF, he was just like, whatever. Wardlow was like, whatever. I'm, I'm swole. Fuck you. He lives and breathes this gimmick. His Twitter alone will let you know it. Let you know about that. But this this does for this does help MJF be a top heel. And when Cody, and I'm with Cody, uh, when Jericho eventually leaves to go on his tour, MJF at this point, to me, is the number one heel in all the AEW at that point. He is the top heel. Now, whether that means he may get a shot at Moxley, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think at some point, MJF and Moxley may meet for the AEW World Championship. That's a possibility to me. I think they might do that. They could probably do that at Double or Nothing. I really think they could. We'll see what happens, though. 
we will see what happens with this going forward. Um, I expect a lot now. I think MJF understands now his position in the company. I think now he understands that, okay, when Jericho leaves, I'm going to be that top heel. I am the number one heel in all the company. And I also have Wardlow, the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny on my side. That is not a bad stable to fuck with. March 25th, if I'm not mistaken, AEW presents Blood and Guts. Of course, in my home state, New Jersey. I believe that's actually three weeks' time from this coming Wednesday. We're going to be getting AEW Blood and Guts from the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. I think my buddy Russell is actually going to go to that. Yeah, I think he's gonna be going. I think he's gonna be going to that show. I'm not exactly sure, but I think he's gonna be going to that show. Um, and it's gonna be fun to watch. It's gonna be fun to see. I think, and, and to think they're gonna be doing a war game style matchup. And that's pretty cool to see. They're gonna be doing a war game style matchup. Now, I'm going to be thinking it's going to be the Elite and the Inner Circle that uh, go at it in this matchup. I think that just makes sense. Um, maybe they'll involve Moxley. I don't know. But that's going to be fun to see. But that's, I just wanted to put that out there. That's going to be fun to see come uh, three weeks from this Wednesday. I'm really excited to see how this cave looks. Um, bringing back that old school war game style matchup, closed cage, everything. This is going to be fun to watch. Look at time here. Okay, we're good. We're out of time. Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen are fucking nuts. Just wanted to put that out there. Um, even before the match even started, Darby Allen just did a tope suicida from the outside. Bottom rope, by the way, crashing onto Sammy Guevara. Then later on, and this is all before the match even started. Sammy Guevara does a 6:30 senton through the table. Holy fucking shit. All right. And then Darby Allen damn near breaks his fucking neck wide open with the botch uh, suicide dive on the outside, clipping his, uh, I think it was his left foot clipped top rope. And instead of hitting his back, uh, Sammy Guevara back, Sammy Guevara's back, he kind of hit his head, his shoulder a little bit, and but his most of his body hit the barricade on the outside. Um, glad he recovered. And um, Jim Ross made a nice little save. Um, so along the lines of like his heart, you know, heart still beating. I mean, you know, he's not dead, but his heart's still beating. Something along those lines. I don't, I don't remember the exact quote that he said. I wish I did. Um, but yeah, I was very, very happy with, you know, how this match went out. Um, Darby Allen winning made the most sense. But these two showed that still... Still, this this is the means for a mid-card championship. And they need to get this rolling. They need to get a mid-card title out in 2020. Darby Allen, if, if they do, if they honestly do a mid-card championship, Darby Allen's your first champion. I say it would be between Darby Allen and MJF. 
if that was the case. I'd say that would be the most... I mean, Darby Allen is a mid-card champion. I think that makes the most sense. Easily makes the most sense in the world if they're going to be doing a mid-card title sometime in 2020. That's the one thing I think they need right now, especially with the, all the talent they have in the mid-card. That's just me personally. I'm still going to fight for it. I've been hearing, you know, a trios championship that's not needed. We ain't New Japan, and we ain't trying to be New Japan over here. I think they need a mid-card championship more than anything. To have that secondary champion. Because with all the younger guys on the roster and the mid-card talents that they have, the Kip Sabians, the Tony Janellas, the MJFs, the Darby Allens, the Sammy Guevara's, the Jake Hager's, who, by the way, had an impressive performance in the opening matchup against uh, Dustin Rhodes and AEW Revolution. I, I had it in my notes, but it kind of was... Uh, I didn't want to go over time. I didn't want to take too much time uh, up in this segment for you guys. But they, uh, Jake Hager had a great debut, very impressive. You know, Jungle Boy, they have so much talent for the mid-card that it needs a mid-card title. That's just me, though. And to round out the good, that was AEW Revolution. Even though Nyla Rose and Chris Statlander were placed in the death spot of the card, they somehow worked a match that turned out to be decent. Now, there's a flip side to this that I'll be discussing in the next segment, and that you'll be probably thinking, oh, but you're being, why are you being so contradictory? Blah, 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 blah. It's, yeah, I don't, it's just me. It's what, I've, it's what I've noticed, what I observe, and what I take from it. Yes, there is good and bad in almost any match. Don't get it twisted. There's good in, I mean, Moxley Jericho was a great match. Was there some bad things about it? Yeah, and there's one thing in particular I'm going to discuss about that in the next segment. It's, it's a weird it's a weird flex, but it, it's kind of confusing as to why it happened. But we'll get there when we get there. But with Statlander and Rose, you as a performer, it sucks when you have to be put in the death spot. They got put in the match after Hangman, Kenny, and the Young Bucks had a 30-minute classic. Listen, this is by no means the greatest match of all time. But to have to follow that sucks. It sucks. It harkens back to when Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan competed for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. I don't even fucking remember who can, who had to go after that. But that, that, to go on after that, that must have sucked. Knowing that you had to go on after Kofi finally won the championship after 11 years. And to follow that moment, shit, you're fucked. The crowd's not going to be into it as much. But Rosen Statlander actually, surprisingly, got the crowd back into it. Brought that energy back with the, with the women's championship match. Um, I guess I have one big thing that I will be discussing that's bad. I don't want to bring it up here because that'll kind of ruin it for me and for you. But I, I did like the fact that they actually got the crowd back into it, got the crowd back I, towards the end of the matchup. I'd say that the last seven, five to seven minutes of the matchup, um, they really got the crowd back into it. And I think it's uh, that's a kudos to them for actually doing that. Well done on their part. But, you know, like I said, it never you never want to be in that death spot. You never want to be in the match that has to follow what the Young Bucks, Hangman, and Kenny did. 
I mean, any match that followed after that, even if it was the uh, Pop Orange Cassidy match, I think that may have been the one match where maybe that would have been the one match that would have made the most sense to follow that because the crowd still would have been into it a little bit. But I get why they had Rose and Statlander in there. It's still a title match, but that that. Again, I don't want to get all into it, but that, I, that may have not have been the match you want to have follow that. That's just me, though. But at least, you know, what we got out of it, it was good. It was good to, up to my standards. It was good enough to pass as decent, if that makes any sense. Rose retaining made the most sense. Um, I think these two could go at it again. I think this, this does call for a second matchup, possibly. Um, she did win clean, so maybe, possibly not right now. But for what we got out of it, it was decent. And it didn't, you know, deter me from not watching this matchup. Usually, bathroom break matches are usually doo-doo. But I actually made sure I went to the bathroom prior to that, because I didn't want to miss Kenny. I didn't want to miss that tag title match. Um, but it's not to say that was a, it was a bad match. It was decent and passable. Um... But it, I mean, just it—it it just does suck when you have to follow a match of that caliber. So that, ladies and gentlemen, was the good. That was AEW Revolution. So get yourself a nice cold beverage, take the dog out for a walk, get your chores done real quick, relieve yourself to the facilities if you must. Um, get you a little snacky snack, you know. If you gotta go take care of something, that's fine. But then come right back. And then we're going to discuss the bad that was AEW Revolution because just because it was a good show doesn't mean it didn't come out of this show, uh, it didn't come out of this unscathed. It may be nitpicks, who knows, but there is there was some bad that came out of this from this past Saturday night. We'll be right back. We are back with episode 175 of the Young Lions Perspective. The good, the bad, and the ugly. That was AEW Revolution. And now we get into the bad portion of the program. Because like I said in the beginning of this episode, just because AEW Revolution was a good show, doesn't mean it did not come out unscathed. And let's get right into it. Now like I said, and to end the good that was AEW Revolution. I start off the bad with what we spoke about prior to. Nyla Rose and Chris Statlander's match would have been better off not being on the Revolution card at all. Now, I know I'm going to trigger a lot of people, oh, why wouldn't you want to put Rose for Statlander on the matchup? That's sexist. I've heard worse from my dog and my niece. Spare me. The reason I say that this shouldn't have been the card it's for a couple of reasons. A, for the simple fact that there was no build whatsoever to this matchup. None. And I would have really liked for this matchup to have some build. I like any match, even if it's a garbage one. Looking at you, Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin at Super Letdown, you bums. God, that match sucked. 
a match without build to me personally isn't a match at all. I would have preferred now this is now this is not because that Rose and Statlander were on in the death spot. If it wasn't gonna be Rose and Statlander, it was gonna be someone else. They were chosen. That's something they gotta deal with. It is what it is. Every car, every pay-per-view card is always gonna have a death spot. Something you can't get away from. It is what it is. The reason I say it, it would have been better off not being on the card is basically, like I said, there was no build whatsoever to this, this matchup. None. None whatsoever. Now, Nyla Rose did cut a banger of a promo last week. Don't get it twisted. She killed that. Hands down, 100% killed it. And I love every second of it. But let's be real. Imagine Statlander Rose with at least five weeks of build. Six weeks of build. Hell, this this probably wouldn't have been the first championship defense for Nyla Rose, in my opinion. I would have gone with Big Swole. I would have preferred Big Swole and Nyla Rose to be the first title, the first title match for Rose. Statlander, right now, the way I see it, is a major player in the women's division. And seriously, let's be real here. I'm, th- I'm being, just being real with you guys. I would have honestly preferred to have this have some build. If anything, this should have been the the match that would have given Statlander the championship, as opposed to the first title defense for Nyla Rose at Revolution. It really had nothing to go on, you know. It was just we had the promo. Swollen Statlander came out, she booped her nose, she booped the title, and then all of a sudden it just makes for a championship match. Don't you go WWE on me, AEW. Don't be making these mistakes. Don't do it. Not a good look. And what was the result? A decent match at a pay-per-view. I mean, let's let's let, let, let facts be facts. I could have seen this match at double or nothing for the AEW Women's Championship. I could have seen this match go down and all out for the AEW Women's World Championship. I understand this match was going to happen sooner or later, but you could have waited a little bit on this one. Could have had Big Swole, you know, since she was already out there. Uh, Shanna, B. Priestley, Britt Baker, Rio in a rematch because she was the cha- she was the first champion. I think Statlander should have been the end point as opposed to the first one up. Now Rose beats Statlander clean. Now she goes to the back of the line. So now she's pretty much out. Now, I don't know for the life of me who would be the one to take the title away from Nyla Rose. Saying that, that 
lets me know that they are looking to have a dominant reign for Rose as champion. Again, which opens the door to a lot of possibilities. Ladies like a Sadie Gibbs, a B Priestley, a Rio in a rematch, a Big Swole, a Britt Baker. This would have allowed Rose to have a proper dominant title reign, to put prestige to the title and put prestige to the person that actually beats Rose. And I think Steph Leonard could have been the lady to actually do it. And it's kind of, it kind of sucks for the fact that, you know, Steph Leonard's now out of the way. Now, that's not to say she won't be doing any indie shows because she still can work the indie shows while she's um, away from AEW. That's, that's par for the course. Which is actually for a lot, a lot of the talent that are still in, that are in AEW as we speak. This personally was one of was one of the matches where I could have been okay without the women's championship on the card. It, it definitely would, it definitely could have been one of those matches. I could have waited on. This this was something you had to marinate. This was like like, I, like I'm always equated to steak. You got a nice you got a nice piece of filet mignon. I know how to pronounce it. Fuck you. That's a little piece of filet mignon. Get it all nice. Little, little, little garlic, olive oil, salt, pepper. You know. Let it marinate for a day or two before you grill it. Mm, beautiful. Nice little New York strip steak action. You know what I'm talking about. I think about food all day. Sue me. It's true. But you got to let some things marinate. Kind of like football teams. We all know the Detroit Lions are doo-doo. Don't let my boy Teddy hear about that. He might whoop my ass. We all know that the Washington Redskins are doo-doo. We all know that the Cincinnati Bengals are doo-doo. They're trash. They're garbage. They're not, they don't have any players relevant to a fantasy team. Let's just be 100% real about this shit. But I also got to be real with this. Some things you just got to wait for. I could have waited for Rose versus Statlander. And the end result is a decent women's tag. I was going to say women's tag title. Oh my God. A decent women's title match on a card that on a mat, on a card that had to follow the one of the best matches we have seen in the first two, well, technically three months of the year so far. And it's already a true match of the year candidate. That does suck. For the life of me, I would have loved for this to actually have some build. Could they go back to it? Absolutely. But you got to make Statlander worth being the one to defeat Rose and take the title from her. In my mind, Statlander's a loser. And Rose, I mean, decent match, don't get me wrong. But let's be real. I would have much preferred to wait for Statlander versus Rose and let Big Swole get the opportunity. I need gotta, gotta get a little, you know, a little variety in the women's division. Now it's not to say Swole would have been the one to beat her, because we know probably they would have booked her to lose. And that's fine. But I think but I think it would have been a nice opportunity a good opportunity for Swole to be on the card against Rose then and and have her in that in that position than a Statlander. 
I put Statlander in, very, and, and I, I would say right now she's a top tier guy, top tier lady. As I would with Nyla Rose, I put Britt Baker up there as well. Those are the three, and Shanna would be as very about as close to top tier as I would say. Shanna to me right now is mid tier, but those three ladies, Statlander, Rose, and Britt Baker, are the top tier ladies in the division. And from there we'll go. I don't know. I would have much preferred someone else in that position besides Stanley. That's just me. But, you know, we'll see what happens with Nyla Rose's title reign as we go along, as we head towards double or nothing in May. Now, as a person that does have a tattoo, as a member of a family on my mother's side, at least, that has tattoos, I have one. I believe my mama has three. Oh, looking at the content. Uh, two, two. And my sister, I believe, has at least one that I know of. She's got that one somewhere else. I don't ask questions. Now, we do have tattoos. Now, the one I have on my on my on my left arm, your right, is a tattoo that says, No man shall hold me back. It was it is without a doubt the greatest Christmas present I believe I could have ever get, been been given. Because I have to pay for it, one. Um, <laughs> but it, I wanted to make sure when I got my first tattoo, it meant something to me. And I use it as a sense of motivation. Now, I know a lot of people that had tattoos. Um, some are good. Some are weird. Some are doo-doo. And in the case of Mr. Cody Rhodes, yes, I'm calling you by your full government name. Deal with it. Mr. Cody Rhodes got the Nightmare logo. His Nightmare logo Now, don't get me wrong. The tattoo is dope. I love the tattoo. Um, nice coloring, by the way. Whoever your tattoo artist was, they did a damn good job on your coloring. Um, the stenciling was nice. I did Cody's Nightmare tattoo. But did he really have to put it on his neck, though? You ne- now, don't get me wrong. There are plenty of places on the body. Where you get a tattoo, that shit gonna hurt like hell. Alright? You have the forearm, in the fo- inner forearm, or the one, the one I have. That shit hurt like hell. For 45 minutes, that was pure torture. But it's on there on my arm for life, and I'm planning, and I'm thinking in my head, I want to get a second one of my other forearm, because I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, the foot is definitely a very sensitive area to get one. Um... Some would say the chest. That's just me, unless you got, you know, a lot of, a lot of meat up there. Yeah. Um, your ribs are a definite. I've known girls who've gotten tattoos on their ribs. They're good. But that looked like it hurt like hell. You know. Um, that was actually a craze for a little while, you know. Girls and guys having tattoos on their ribs. I wouldn't put myself through that torture. I've already... I've messed up a finger... I've been hit. I've put my knee through a metal mailbox. I've gotten hit in a football with a football helmet to my Adam's apple. Um, I messed up my ankle at least three, four times in my life. Um, that pain would not probably, I mean, a tattoo on the ribs still wouldn't be a pregnancy, but on your neck, on the side of your neck, nonetheless, unless your pain tolerance is insane. Hell no to the no, 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 
hell to the no. That shit hurting. I see. I saw. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I said, a tattoo is dope. It is a very, very nice tattoo. But on the neck, bruv, that's there forever. And from what I've heard, read and heard, uh, Brandy Rhodes don't like the placement. <laughs> the tattoo is nice, but the placement, I don't think, I think it's either the placement, she doesn't like the tattoo. It's either, it's either, either or. She either doesn't like the tattoo or she doesn't like the placement of said tattoo. Um, I forget who I saw on Twitter actually uh, tweeted this out. Basically saying, the tattoo is dope. But the placement of the tattoo may not have been the best placement of it. That would have been better served for an upper shoulder tattoo. And I agree. 100%. That ta- the placement of that tattoo... Nah, I don't know, bruv. Because, I mean... With, with, with my philosophy on tattoos, personally... If I'm going to get a tattoo and I'm in my place of work... I want to be able to make sure that... Like, let's say you're in a corporate environment and they really don't, they're really kind of taboo, air quotes, about tattoos. At least you're, if you're able to put it in certain spots, you can able to really cover it up with a shirt or whatever, what have you. Me personally, with the job I work at, tattoos aren't frowned upon. I know a lot of people at my job that have tattoos. I love tattoos. I would love to get another, like, one or two personally, and I have kind of have ones in my head that I kind of want to have. Now, placement to me is everything with that. And that just, it, the placement is every, the placement was kind of bad. I, I personally am not a fan of the placement of the tattoo. Had he gotten it on his like arm or, you know, chest or something like that, that I would have been okay with. Just the where he put it. And I saw a lot of people clowning him for it on Twitter for that neck tattoo. I, again, kudos to you for taking that pain. But dude, not the best placement in the world to get a tattoo. Unless you're getting it on like the back of your neck, like the one my mom has. Um, the side of your neck, I don't know, bruh. Cause that's like, that's like mad bins and you got your jugular right there. And if you cut it, you get the point. We'll move on. <laughs> now, as a person who went to school one year, uh, my vocational class, um, I, side sidebar, I, back in my senior year of high school, actually went to vocational school. Now, I love Votech. I love my Votech. Um, it's actually in the same place where my mother works, uh, Lakers Naval Base, which I think is cool in and of itself because I was able to actually be in class half, I was being able to be away from school half the day, which in and of itself is awesome. Thumbs up for me. And on top of that, On top of that, you know, I got to learn about being, I actually was in a studio, you know, learning how to, you know, work in a studio, an actual recording studio, and actually used to do cool, actually be able to do projects and all that cool stuff. I loved it. It was literally one of my favorite classes I've ever taken in my entire life. I loved it. I still love, that was my favorite class to this day, audio for electronic media. And for any person who's thinking about doing that, I'd say easily take two, take your two years, do it. It's fun. Do your, your junior, senior year. It is so much fun. Any person who's pursuing anything in, in terms of like recording studios and all that stuff, you get to learn the, learn the boards. Um, it was just a fun thing. Now, 
So I kind of have an ear, a little bit of an ear. Your ear's a little different when you're doing classes like that. Um, now, for those who were live in Chicago, I'm sure the sound there was probably dope. I know Nate and Fretz were there that night, were there in, in Chicago for the show. And I was talking with them back and forth on Twitter as much as I could. And they even told me it sounded good live. It sounded like straight ass at home. I don't know who was working the boards on that. It sounded like straight garbage. Straight garbage. It was terrible. This, this, the sound. I was just like, it got to a point where listening to Downstate, I was just like, yo, can we just end the song already? Because I was already at the point where I was just like, just end it. Just, I just need to be done with the song. I love the, I love Cody's song. I love it. Don't get me wrong. It's, it was, re- it's a really good song. But at home, and I saw this on my, on my timeline, a lot of people were just like, yo, I don't know who's running that, who's running the audio, but it sounded like straight ass cheeks. It was terrible. And I don't know. It was just bad. It was really, really bad. I don't know. It was just very bad. <laughs> so hopefully uh, next time they actually do that, um, they'll be able to, um, you know, get that sorted out. Bryce Remsburg is not my cup of tea when it comes to refereeing. I don't know. It's something about him that I'm just not feeling. I don't know. And I and if you guys listen to the uh, Joe Cronin show, um, you'll probably see where I'm coming from with that. He he doesn't like Bryce Remsburg. I don't like Bryce Remsburg. I think his refereeing style is just kind of weird. Um, the whole winding up of the arm thing during a match, that was some fucking weird shit. He's just leaping all in the air. You ain't red shoes uno, my dude. All right? I understand you want to jump, do a 360 flip, kick flip shit. I don't know, bro. Try to get the pinfall. Just do a regular normal pinfall like every other referee does. Now, Aubrey Edwards does have her moments where I'm just like, eh, that was kind of a weird motion, but I'm going to let it ride. Because let's be real here. She worked Cody and Jericho at full gear. Just saying. Just gonna put that out there. Um, so I kind of hold Aubrey in a higher regard than I do Bryce. Um, Rick Knox, I, think, I believe it's Rich Knox. It's Rich or Rick Knox. Either way, I like Rick. I like Rick Knox. I like Paul. Paul Turner. I like him. Dig his. I I I love the fact that he did get the uh, Moxley Jericho. I believe he did get the Moxley Jericho uh, matchup. Uh, he got the call for that. So happy about that but just Bryce Remsburg just does just doesn't do it for me just doesn't I don't know I don't know what it is it's just something I don't know it just doesn't work um maybe he needs to tone it down a little bit his mannerisms I don't know it's just I don't know I don't know there's something of just about what he does in the in the ring that just rubs me the wrong way a little bit I don't know it could I could be I don't know exactly what it is it's just that it's certain je ne sais you know, I can't even speak French today. I hate myself. That certain je ne sais quoi about him, I'm not feeling. Not my cup of tea, nor my shot of whiskey, nor my sip of gin. Just going to put that out there. 
And to end the bad, that was the good, the bad, and the ugly. Of the good, the bad, and the ugly, I should say. John Moxley winning the AEW World Championship was the right call. But was the t-shirt... Now, don't get me... Now, you're probably wondering what the hell I'm talking about if you didn't watch AEW Revolution on Saturday night. One, your fault. Two, 50 bucks well spent on my end. Don't worry, I'm not broke. Um, <laughs> I had the means to buy it. Shut up. Um, in terms of, you know, Moxley winning the title, great moment. Crowd went bananas. It was perfect. Everything they did to do was, was well done. They were waiting to put that t-shirt out, weren't they? They were waiting to put that t-shirt on Moxley, and I guarantee you they already had it up at uh, AEWshop.com immediately. Actually, you know what? Just for the sake of this for the sake of shits and giggles, I'm surprised I'm speaking English today. We're gonna go on AEW. We're gonna do an experiment, ladies and gentlemen. In real time. Well, for me, real time for you, recording. Take this off my charger. And we're going to go on to my Google Chrome home laptop. And we're going to go to awshop.com real quick on the on the quick link. Oh, nice quick link. Come on, my Wi-Fi. Hold on. That's my Google Chrome not working. There we go. I was about to say, my, I, I know my shit good. All right. So we got here. All right. ShopAEW.com. I do that. All right. Hold on. Um, there we go. I just want to see if it's actually on there. I want to see if they got some deals. See, this is what happens when you're also a wrestling fan. Um, yep, yep. First one popped up. Booyah. Yep, my, they already got it up. Oh, my God. Yep, they already had it up. They were waiting for this one. They were waiting to put this one out. I'm sure they already had this ready. I'm sure they already had this ready to go. What type of garment. Do I want a tank top? They don't even show the tank top. I hate you. No. Let's see if they got it in the tank top. Long sleeve. Oh, okay. They're just not going to do it with that. Okay. That's fine. So, yeah. It's it's up on AEW. Uh, shop AEW.com right now. It's up there right now. I, I fucking... I don't know. I don't think the t-shirt was needed. I don't think it was. I think they could have waited until um, Wednesday to actually... Uh, Put this out there. I really, I really could think they could have waited until, until you know, this when when they were in Denver to uh, introduce the new merch. I'd say it was a, it's a little too quick. Now, don't get me wrong, the design is fine. It's just the AEW face, AEW main faceplate with uh, Mox in uh, painted spray paint. But man, they really were not waiting for to get this one out. 
they were real. They really weren't waiting for this one to come out. They were with bated breath. My goodness. I mean, hella apparel. Ooh, they got the Orange Cassidy John. Uh, I mean, they got a lot of good. They got a little good John on here. Yeah, they got. The, yeah, it's already in the new arrival. So if you already ordered it, I'm sure it'll sell out real quick. Um, do I need any accessories? I'm not. I'm gonna worry about it later. But yeah, I mean, I, they really could have waited for at least a couple of days to let this come out. But I understand strike. I mean, they did the same thing with um, a little bit of the bubbly when um, that that became a thing. Yeah, they definitely were uh, waiting. They weren't. They were this right on it. And yeah, that's not to say that's bad. You know, I understand. You know, we want to strike while the iron's hot. Get the product out there. Have the fans and you know, if the fans are gonna be at the shows, Mox champion, all good. That's cool. Lit, fire, all that cool, fine, done, wicked. But let's be, uh, but to be truthfully honest, they could have waited a little bit to actually get this popping. That's just me though. But that's gonna conclude the bad that was AEW, and surprisingly, for the first time probably ever on in the history of the good, the bad, and the ugly, I have no ugly to speak of, none whatsoever. Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to get into, well, in the next segment, we're going to get into the awards portion of the program. And of course, the most important thing, the final grade I am giving for AEW Revolution. We'll be right back. Alright, y'all know what time it is. It is time to hand out some awards and make our final grade to round out the good, the bad, and the ugly. That was AEW Revolution. As I said in the last segment, there was no ugly to speak of, which is always, in my mind, a good thing. You know. But not that. No, there was no ugly whatsoever. But we do need to hand out some awards. Now, as usual... Every time I do a good, the bad, and the ugly that was any pay-per-view event, excuse me, we break it down pretty much like this. I give you my top three matches of the night. I make my give my award for worst match of the night. I hand out an award for the MVP of AEW Revolution. And then the most important part of it all, the final grade for the said pay-per-view. So as we always do, we kick it off with top three matches of the night. Now, y'all already know what number one is. I pretty much told y'all what number one was, but we reiterated when we get there. Starting off at number three. And a lot of people will probably be surprised by this. I'm going with Pac versus Orange Cassidy. Now you're thinking, Listen. And bitch boy in the back talking sounding like my niece when she don't feel like talking English bitch ass I'm going off of excitement and crowd appeal and all that good shit that's not to say Cody MJF wasn't good Cody MJF was good I think in terms of excitement and the fact that this was the match before the main event 
the the crazy the crazy part the, the fact being that that crowd was going bananas for this is the reason I'm putting this at number three without question. Um, it was just it was just a very fun match to watch. Crowd really got into it throughout the entire match. They were pro Orange Cassidy the entire way. They they pretty much were on some fuck pox shit and. That is fantastic. I think that, you know, I think it deserved to be in the top three list. Number two. I'm giving it to Chris Jericho and John Moxley. I think it made the most sense to actually put this at number two. Um, This is a very fun match to watch. AEW World Championship on the line. Moxley winning it. Having to go through the entire inner circle. Um, Got some help from Aubrey Edwards towards the end with the... uh, you know, pretty much getting uh, the expulsion of the inner circle out of the ring helped uh, Moxley. There's a lot of drama in this matchup. And of course, the playing possum eye patch portion at the end, that was just the money shot for me and really drove it home. Two paradigm shifts. John Moxley becomes the AEW World Champion. And once again, congratulations to the new AEW World Champion. Mr. John Moxley, and I hope Renee Young gave you tons of loving when you when when you got home. Uh, if you if you did go back home, or she came to you, never mind. We ain't gonna talk about that. That's 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 their personal business, and I'm not trying to get nobody's business and nobody's bedroom business. Nonetheless, either way, I hope you had some fun with your wife. And of course, numero uno, the crown king. The match that pretty much blew everybody away and just just pretty much just was the easiest number one I probably could add in the last couple of in the last couple of months. Young Bucks versus Hangman Page versus and Kenny Omega for the AEW Tag Team Championship. A true match of the year candidate. We don't need a this ain't honorable mention worthy at all. This is a true match of the year candidate. It is just, without a doubt, one of the best matches I have literally seen so far this year. They have done very well for themselves in terms of, you know, they put on a 30-minute instant classic that, as a person who loves tag team wrestling, enjoyed thoroughly from beginning to end. The drama, the the fact that it was the elite members going at it with, uh, with, the, with Hangman Page teasing the heel turn, after the end of the match, it was just a such a fun match to watch, and it was definitely a room shaker. It was definitely a you know take off the roof type of match. Crowd was hot for it, and this and this was just one of those matches where you were, you just sit back and you're just like wow, and you're just amazed at what they could do. This was just hands down the best match of the night. This was a clear cut winner. This is the clear cut. This is the probably the most clear cut. Number one I have had all year so far. Just, my goodness, what a match. Uh, hands down. Just just leaving it at that. Hands down, best match of the night and a match of the year candidate nonetheless. We then go into the worst match of the night for AEW Revolution. And honestly, this is uh, pretty clear to me personally. Um... As unfortunate as it is, because you never want to give a worse than that uh, award to anyone, and I've handed out ones that have deserved it, and ones that 
probably some of you may not have deserved it, but it kind of needed to be chosen. And for this time around, I was in about, I looked at about one, two or three. It, it, it came down to two, and I'm not going to tell you which one, which one was the other one that I did, that did not pick, but you kind of can have an idea. But I'm going with Nyla Rose and Chris Dad. Um, it's just when you're in the death spot and you're, it's like you're playing, you're playing, you're playing Madden and you're, and you're already down 21 with before the first, you know, hike of the ball and the first possession of the game. That's kind of what, kind of how it looked to me. And that's kind of how I saw it, that. You're just playing from behind when you when you had to when you get to that spot. You're literally playing from behind. Um, like I said it was a decent match, and I would say maybe you could pick Hager versus uh, Dustin Rhodes. You could pick that, and that might have been the only other one you may have been able to choose from uh, during the entire card. And. It's it's interesting to see you know you know being in that position it does suck it, it you know like I said you never want to be in that death spot but it does hurt you and it kind of hurts the credibility of the women's championship in a sense the fact that you're putting that match on right after your tag a banger of a tag team championship match it just hurts the match so much um, it, it you, and you never could recover from that and then going right your sandwich right in between. The Tag Team Championship match and Cody and MJF. That, in and of itself, sucks. But unfortunately, one match had to be picked. And unfortunately, I'm going with Nyla Rose and Chris Statlander as my worst match of the night. No congratulations on order because it's never good to be worst match of the night. Which leads us to one of my favorite awards to hand out. The AEW Revolution MVP. Now, getting the pay-per-view MVP, by my standards, is a, it should be a pretty significant honor. Um, some of the some of the more interesting names have been chosen. Um, the most one of the more recent ones that I remember is Keith Lee, um, who was my who I believe I picked as my Survivor Series Weekend MVP, and glad that I chose him as my MVP because he then went on to um, become the North American champion and have a banger of a match with uh, Dominic Djokovic. Uh, you know, so, and now he's going to be moving on to bigger and better things, hopefully moving forward. As far as AEW Revolution's MVP goes, you can go a multi, you can go a number of ways. You really could. You could go. You could you could pick John Moxley. You could pick you know have a co MVP with Hangman, Kenny, and the Bucks. You could have you know Orange Cassidy be your MVP. Um, there's there and that's always the hardest ones. You know when you see certain matches, you're just like man. You know. Just ah, it's so many. It's so hard to choose one person, and I believe in the entirety that I've started doing my awards, handing out my awards. I believe I only had one co MVP, 
I've had co-MVPs um, in the history of doing all of this. But I only have one this time around. And this should be... It's a, it's a very... It was a very hard choice for my MVP. In terms of performance, in terms of everything that has gone on lead, with matches, the matches leading up to Revolution... Is it close? It was a very close call. But my choice for AEW Revolution MVP goes to none other than the new AEW World Champion, John Moxley. What a night for Mr. Moxley. Not only was he having to take out the entire inner circle but still have to beat Jericho in order to win the championship in front of a very raucous Chicago crowd I am very happy to hand out this award to John Moxley because honestly this one was a long time coming for John and he really really you know deserves this honor and deserves to be AEW World Champion, may I add. You know, I'm you know, I'm just very happy that he is world champion. I think he honestly deserves it. He I he really deserves it more than you know. And I think a lot of people are concerned about is he gonna be able to carry the company on his back as Jericho goes off for goes away for a while and does his tour of Fozzie. I say yes. I don't think there's anybody else right now in AEW that can hold the championship. Not yet, at least. But I, for my money, I'm going. I, I I can definitely see Moxley carrying the company on his back and being that top guy for AEW. So again, my AEW Revolution MVP is none other than the AEW World Champion John Moxley, which leads us to the final grade, the most important thing on this show. More important than the good. More important than the bad, and sure as hell more important than the ugly. When you look back at AEW Revolution, you will easily say that this was a great show. This was a really good show. I enjoyed it thoroughly. 100% enjoyed myself. I loved every single. I, I enjoyed it, even even with the, you know, the low the lower tier matches on the card. Even with the Nyla Rose, Chris Statlander match. You know, all that stuff. I enjoyed myself with this show. This was a wonderful three hours of professional wrestling that no one who... I don't think a lot of people would have said they hated this show. I wouldn't say so, at least. Um, I like this show. This is a really good show to me. And I think it deserves a grade proper of that. Now, people, I'm, I'm saying they're, they're probably giving it 10 out of 10s. 8 out of 10s, 9 out of 10s. We don't do that here. We do it by letter grade. Like, you, like pretty much the pay-per-view is your test. And I will grade you on that. So my final grade for AEW Revolution, I'm going to give this show a B plus. I was literally teetering on A minus B plus territory immediately after the show was over. And without question. Um... The, the Rose Statlander match did uh, definitely played a part in it. 
The Hager Rhodes match definitely played a part in it. Uh, I wished that Guevara and Allen got a bit more time. You know, with that, with their matchup, I wish they would have gotten a just a few more minutes um, to tell them a little bit more of the story that they that they had going on. Um, I mean, Cody MJF could have been better. Just this, just for me, I, I said I really did set a high expectation for for this. I really did, and you know. Maybe I would have, you know, tampered my expenses just a tad. But with what they had going on, I had a certain bar, and they came close to meeting it. But if one or two matches were just a you know, if one match, if the you know, Alan Guevara match were a bit better, if Rose Statlander maybe not have been on the card, I don't know. Uh, maybe my grade would just would jump a letter grade or two. But I think for this event, still a good show. A really good show. But I think a B plus is a proper grade for AEW Revolution that has now come and gone. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to conclude episode 175 of the Young Lions Perspective. As always, we close out the show in proper YLP fashion and get you ready for episode 176 of the Young Lions Perspective. We'll be right back. That's going to be it for episode 175 of the Young Lions Perspective. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. If you want more exclusive access to myself, Kate Murphy, Big Homie Will, the GM himself, King Ricky Rose. Nate the fucking great, and of course, can't leave out the big homie, Fretzy. Please do consider joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash Radio. 17 cents a day, $5 a month. You will get exclusive access to podcasts you will not hear on the Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all that good stuff. Exclusive articles, being part of an exclusive Patreon group chat. Where, yes, we shoot the shit about professional wrestling as well as other things outside of professional wrestling. It's a really good time. Um, all that good stuff. And, again, Love and War Episode 2 has come out. Okay, I'm going to definitely be, hopefully be checking that out very soon. Also, I believe Fretz just came out with an episode. And, of course, yours truly will be coming out with an episode as we get closer to WrestleMania 36. Should be a good time when I get my first get go into the Patreon world. And I hope you guys join us over there. Join the War Family more exclusively. Patreon.com slash Radio. If you have any thoughts, opinions, you want to talk shit, anything like that, do not hesitate to uh, send myself or any of the other members of the Wrestle Attic Radio family a voice message at anchor.fm slash Radio. If you want to speak to me personally with a voice message, Put YLP on there and then whatever topic you want to talk about and then sound off. Make your voice heard. And if I like it enough, I will have no problem featuring it on a future episode of the Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Of course, 
If you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions Perspective. Share this episode across all of your social media, your Instagram, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Facebook Messenger, your Tinder, your Bumble, your Hinge. I don't care what you got. You can put it on your LinkedIn. Probably get in trouble with your boss, but it is what it is. Share this episode. As a matter of fact, share all of the Wrestling Outlook Radio family's episodes and let the people know that in 2020, the YLP universe and the Wrestle Addict Radio family are the alternative for professional wrestling podcast, and that we are here to stay. Now, I know most of y'all do not have the Anchor app. That's perfectly fine by me. Everyone has their favorite streaming uh, apps for podcasts, all that fun stuff. But we are very diverse in what, what we want to listen to. We are a very diverse family, actually, in, in the war in the war family. But you can own you can just find this this on Anchor. You can also find this episode of the podcast across several different platforms, including Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Castbox FM, Podcast Addict, Player FM, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course that good old Spotify fan. Search for the Young Lions perspective across all of these different platforms. And of course, all Wrestle Attic Radio as well. And you should have no problem finding it whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the Young Lions Perspective Podcast, do not hesitate to follow me over on my platforms. Over on the Twitter machine, I can be followable at Suede Senator War. That's S-U-E-D-E-S-E-N-A-T-O-R. Capital W, Capital A, Capital R. I do live tweeting for AEW Dynamite. SmackDown Live. Every WWE live pay-per-view, every AEW live pay-per-view like I did uh, this past Saturday night with AEW Revolution. Every NXT and NXT UK TakeOver special. And if I'm feeling kind of, you know, fancy and I have nothing else better else to do when I wake up at 3.30 in the morning and I have to go to the bathroom and I can't go back to bed, I do live tweeting for New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. Now, we do know the coronavirus is out there, so there won't be any events until maybe after the 15th. And even then, right now, we know it's a bit of a stretch. So, at least for the next couple of weeks, no live tweeting whatsoever. I know it makes me sad, too. If you want to follow me over on my Instagram, I can be followed over there at young underscore lions underscore perspective. Spice and memes, 60-second thought videos, updates on shows, any breaking news that I do find, I'll let you guys know. Follow me over there on both of these platforms. Stay up to date with everything that's going on with the Young Lions Perspective Podcast. I want to look over to the judges real quick to make sure I am good to go. The Danish one is looking kind of hesitant. Okay, it's all a go. All right, so guys, tomorrow for episode 176 of the Young Lions Perspective. Y'all know, it is last week. This week, I will be discussing last week's episode of NXT. And we'll be going over what I loved and what I hated over there. And then we will also preview what will be going down on this coming Wednesday night's episode of NXT. Get you prepared for all that. We may be doing some Elimination Chamber predictions. I do not know. We'll figure it out once we get there. Other than that, guys, I believe I got nothing else to say. Yeah, I pretty much hit all all my marks. Making sure. Yeah, we're good to go. So until... Tomorrow night, guys, enjoy the rest of your night. If you're going to be watching Raw, by the time you listen to this, it's probably going to be over. 
Enjoy Raw if you if you do. There's supposed to be a huge card going down tonight. Uh, Alistair Black, AJ Styles, Kyrie Sane, and uh, Shayna Baszler. Now that Asuka has not been cleared for tonight. Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy versus the Street Profits for the Tag Team Championships. We'll see how it goes. I will be watching it. I'll keep up with it on Twitter as much as possible and listening to the post-game shows as I see fit. So, enjoy the rest of your night, guys. And I'll see you right back here tomorrow night for episode 176 of the Young Lions Perspective. See you!